12 and verse 1. We're going to lay some foundation tonight for some things that we're going to be talking about here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and it has to do with holiness. Why do we dress different? Why do we look different? Does it matter? What is it tied to? So on and so forth. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We're going to be talking about holiness tonight. Holiness in Jesus' name. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. God, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for everything that you have done for us, everything that you have done with us, and God, everything that you're going to do through us. Lord, I pray that you would move in a mighty way in this place tonight. God, I pray that you would open our hearts, our minds, God, that as we open our hearts and our minds, our spirits to you, that, God, you would pour out a spirit of revelation, God, that you would help us to see in your word why we do what we do. In the name of Jesus, God, we love you and we thank you for all that you've done, all that you're doing. God, you are great, you are mighty, you are worthy. We give you thanks tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. The apostle is writing to the Roman church. And verse 1 of chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service so this very first verse of our opening text helps us to understand that there is a way that we can present our body that is acceptable unto God and there is also a way or a fashion that we can present our body and it would be unacceptable to God. Where does this come from? Why does God talk about this in his word? Be not conformed to this world. This is the, the crux of the matter. This is the little linchpin that holds the, the trailer to the vehicle that without it, uh, things are going to come apart. They're going to become detached. And the, the vehicle that is the kingdom of God is going to continue moving forward. But it's like I and my life are the trailer. And without that little linchpin holding me to the vehicle, uh, and that linchpin is whether or not I'm going to be conformed to the world, or if I'm going to choose to be transformed by the renewing of my mind, that means I'm going to think differently. I'm going to allow God to transform me. 
I'm going to change forms. I'm going to change forms. We're going to get into it a little bit later. Uh, not this evening, but maybe next week, maybe the week after, that it's, it's tied to the language metamorpho, or the word metamorpho. It's where our English word metamorphosis comes from. It's changing from one stage to the next. And so what we are talking about tonight has the ability to, to take me from one level to the next. That's a good change. I'm not moving backwards. I can move forward. And being transformed by the renewing of my mind, and, and that action and that understanding has the ability to, to allow me to prove what is good and acceptable and perfect, what is the will of God. And it has to do with holiness. You saw this slide on the screen here. Uh, several weeks ago or, or several days ago rather uh, and where we define holiness and I wanted to show this again and we'll see it again the next time we talk about holiness but both the Old Testament and the New Testament show the character they define the character and the behavior of the people of God with this word holiness Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6 for thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God so I'm not just living for myself I'm not just practicing holiness to make myself feel good I'm not just practicing holiness because I think I look better living holy I do think I look better living holy but that's not why I'm doing it I'm, I'm doing it because of my relationship with God I'm a called we are called to be an holy people unto the Lord our God the Lord our God has chosen us to be a special people or a separated people unto himself and so God's people are gonna look different God's people are gonna act different God's people are going to be different <laughs> above all people that are upon the face of the earth now we could stop right here and we could say okay well I was under the impression that God is not willing that any should perish. That means that covers every single individual on the earth. So, then why would God want us to be separate from all the people on the earth that He does love, that He does desire to work in their lives, and so forth? Why would God want us to be separate? unto himself the fact of the matter is that while God does love every individual he does not find pleasure in their action and so we live in a world that says we can do whatever we want to do we can live however we want to live we can say whatever we want to say wear whatever we want to wear if it feels good we can do it and you only live once so you might as well cram as much into that lifespan as possible but they don't tell you that while you're cramming as much ungodly lifestyle as you can into that lifespan that that lifespan begins shrinking because God did not create your body to be abused by the world's vices even greasy cheeseburgers believe it or not Talk about gluttony another night okay Whew. 
wear your stretchy clothes for Thanksgiving. First Peter 2 and 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. God's describing his church. A chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation. A peculiar people. That does not mean weird like we talked about the other night. It does not mean that you're weird. It means that you are a, a unique treasure, a valuable treasure, unlike anything the world has to offer. That you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The one dictionary defines holiness as the state or quality of being holy, being set apart to the service of God. He didn't just set us apart so we could live in isolation. That's why we don't live in a monastery. That's why we don't live like the Jewish sect, the Essenes, who said if you're going to be a part of their group, then you have to sell every belonging that you have and you have to give it to the, the commune. We're not living in a commune. We're not living in a cult. We're not part of a cult. But we have been separated unto God for His plan, for His purpose. To the service of God. And because God desires every individual in the world to experience what you and I have experienced, He said, I'm calling you out from those actions. I'm calling you out from those lifestyles, but I'm not telling you to move to the, the summit of a mountain where, where sin cannot touch you because even there, in that place, you're alone with your thoughts. And from your thoughts, sin can be produced. And, and so God is saying, I'm, I'm calling you out, but you're still going to be in the world, but you're not going to be of the world. I want you to be holy. I want you to live by an example or as an example. Another dictionary indicates the word holiness is translated from a Hebrew word, root word kadash, which means separateness, and a Greek word which means pure. And so the three elements from holiness, as their definitions describe, are separation, perfection, and purity. That's what we are striving for. That's part of living in the kingdom of God. I want to experience everything God has for me. And God can only take me so far as my character can support. And so, God's character can be described as holy or through the word holiness the nature and character of God is not just described through the word holiness but also through the word love first John 4 and verse 8 says tell it tells us that God is love and oftentimes that's stated as the essential nature of God and, and unfortunately people view that and they think that because God is love that there are no parameters to his love God's not into open relationships folks there's no pineapple or flamingo or whatever the newest rage is in his front yard saying hey I'm a swinger 
you can live for me or you can go live with somebody else but but we can just you can have one foot in their bedroom and one foot in my bedroom that's not the way that God works it's not the way that his kingdom works he said I'm a jealous God my glory I'm not going to give to another and so there are parameters to the love of God and that's why that accompanying his love is holiness more than 50 times in scripture we're told that God is holy we're not going to read all 50 of those scripture references tonight but they they are along these lines the Lord our God is holy who is like unto thee O Lord glorious in holiness I am the Lord the Holy One in Israel for I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God ye shall therefore be holy for I am holy notice he said I'm bringing you up and I'm bringing you out of the land of Egypt Egypt is symbolic of the world and here in this scripture it's described as being lower than the kingdom of God so when we metamorpho into a holy lifestyle when we are transformed by the renewing of our mind when and we're, we're gonna see how holiness takes place here in just a few moments he said I'm bringing you up David said he found me in a horrible pit that's where he found me but he didn't leave me there he didn't leave me in my mess he didn't leave me in my circumstance he didn't leave me in my turmoil he didn't leave me in my tragedy and so when we have folks that walk in these doors and they are very obviously tormented by life's circumstance and by the enemy of their soul, we're not going to look at them and say, oh, I don't want anything to do with that. And such were some of you, but you are washed. When they walk in the doors and they've obviously got problems, this is the best place for them to be. This is where they're going to find every answer to life's problems. This is a place where they can escape Egypt. They can escape Babylon. They can escape Syria. They can escape all of those places in the Word of God that are symbolic to bondage, symbolic to worldliness, symbolic to torment. That's not what God has for them. God wants to deliver. So God wants to bring up, bring us up out of the land of Egypt and out of the land of Egypt. But not so he can just bury us in the middle of the Red Sea, but he wants to bring us up. He wants to bring us out. And he wants to bring us into a promised land. A land filled with blessing. Flowing with milk and honey. Flowing with promise. So, there's action on our part that is attached to that. Be your God, ye shall therefore be holy. For I am holy when I bring you up and out of Egypt. I'm expecting holiness. Revelation 4 8 the four beasts rest not day and night saying holy 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 Lord God Almighty which was and is and is to come so 
Scripture tells us that not only is God himself holy, but everything that he commands is holy. Everything that God establishes is holy. His ordinances, his laws, his decrees, his word is holy as well. Everything that pertains to him is holy. The law and commandments of God are holy. His promises are holy. All scripture is holy. His name is holy. Everything attached to him is attached by this common element of holiness. And so, because we are God's people and we want to be attached to God, then there is also uh, it is also necessary for us to be holy. Holiness is not just something that God is, but in Deuteronomy 28, in Exodus 19, in Hebrews chapter 3, we find that his saints, his children, believers, followers, disciples are called to be holy. The Lord shall establish thee and holy people unto himself. As he hath sworn unto thee, if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways. There are promises attached to holiness. There's blessing attached to holiness. There's safety attached to holiness. Ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. Holy brethren partakers of the heavenly calling it's not just something found in the old testament it's also found in the new testament and because god is holy he wants to have a people that are holy it's not a suggestion it's not an option it is a commandment of both testaments under the old law moses's law it was a commandment under the new covenant it's a commandment Romans 6 and verse 19 as you have yielded your members servants to uncleanness let me just pause right there you say well no one in this room says this okay no one in this room says this so just act like I'm talking about somebody outside these four walls you, you hear people saying well no I don't want anybody telling me what to do ain't gonna tell me what to do you're not gonna tell me how to live you're not gonna tell me what to wear you're not gonna tell me what to think how to raise my kids it's my life I'm gonna do what I want but that Bible verse alone Romans 6 19 tells us you're not doing anything on your own you're not living the way you want to live you're living your way yielded to the forces of this world you're dressing your kids because the way the world tells you to dress your kids you're raising your kids based upon what the world is telling you is right and appropriate you're not doing it of your own volition you are a puppet to the ways the fashions the forms of the world and I'm not picking on anybody tonight, but we just need to understand 
that the enemy of your soul does not want you getting close to God. Does not. But here's the kicker. You can decide. I, I formerly yielded my members servants, slave to the world. Slave to uncleanness. Slave to iniquity unto iniquity. That means I didn't start out down the road down there. That might be where I ended up. But it started with one step. One poor choice. One act. One situation that I yielded to and I yielded to iniquity but that iniquity was not satisfied and led me to another iniquity and that sin wasn't satisfied and so before long I found myself moving from iniquity to iniquity and I was powerless to stop it you, you come too late to tell me that holiness is not essential you're going to serve something. You're go but let me tell you this, that God is a gentleman. He is a gentleman. And he gave you free will because he does not want to force you into anything. But he wants you to live for him because you love him. And he wants you to know tonight... That as crazy as all of this may sound and, and as crazy as, as it may look from the outside looking in, I've been told by somebody before uh, recently in the past couple of months, they said every time I come to church, I just feel like a kid at Christmas time. But I'm on the outside and I'm looking through somebody else's window and I'm looking at a happy family. But I'm on the outside and I don't know how to get inside. And we said you get inside by just coming through the door. There's a door that leads to everlasting life. All you got to do is walk through the door. You want to know why we deal with addictions? Because iniquity leads unto iniquity. And Satan is no respecter of your free will. He will abuse your free will. But God's saying, I am a gentleman. And so when God stepped off the boat onto the shores of the Gadarene Island, and there was a man there, elder, who was possessed of a, a, a multiple devils, somewhere between 3,000 and 6,000, scholars believe. That's a lot of torment. It was so bad he would not keep his clothes on. Ripped his clothes off. It was so bad he lived in the tombs. He lived among death. That was the only place he was comfortable. Was among the dead. Among the hopeless. Among those whom, with, with whom there was no life, there was no future, there was no hope. Only despair. Only grief. And that was his comfort zone. But when Jesus stepped on to the shore, 
thousands of devils could not stop him. And he ran to the feet of Jesus. And I, in my mind, I imagine one massive stagecoach. And it's speeding down the mountain, seemingly out of control. And that's him running to Jesus as fast as he can. And there's a cloud of dust, but there's thousand devils pulling back on the reins don't go don't go don't go don't go chains could not hold him ropes could not hold him but these devils are pulling up no no you you can't go don't do it and when he finally gets to jesus the demons cry out have you come to torment us before our time the iniquity had led to iniquity which had led to iniquity and and that man was somebody's son that man was somebody's son that man was could have been somebody's brother that man could have been somebody's husband but he didn't start down here he started with one choice and, and I understand and I'm not negating the fact that he was responsible for his actions and he opened himself up to some things but let me tell you church when we get them they're going to be down here we're not going to walk back through and judge every step that they've taken you know what we're going to do we're going to walk to them and we're going to bring them up to the altar and we're going to say he made me free he made me clean and he can make you clean too spoken word of God did the work iniquity led to iniquity led to iniquity but all of those things that were trying to pull him back when he made up his mind I'm sick and tired of living this way three to six thousand devils couldn't stop him he had put up with more than the pigs would even handle so when Jesus cast him out they said don't don't make us just wander through the wilderness, Jesus, like Brother Nunez was preaching about dry places on Friday night. Let us go into these pigs. And the pigs were like, no, sir. You're not welcome here. And the pigs ran down the hill and jumped into the water and killed themselves. And so we have all, at one point or another, yielded ourselves to uncleanness slaves to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity so don't just get this in your mind no I'm doing whatever I want to no you're not you're doing whatever the devil wants you to do I'm not saying you're possessed don't get all weird on me I'm not but who do you think influences the world around us who do you think influences society it's not God because they won't allow him to and so, the world tells you to be an individual by all looking the same. 
all buying into the same agenda and all you know, drinking from the same broken fountains. But the writer in Romans was saying, but now yield your members servants to righteousness, which leads to holiness. It doesn't lead you to bondage. It leads you to freedom. It doesn't lead you back to uh, the depths of sin and despair. But it leads you to holiness. It leads you to being separated from the world so God can use you. Being made free from sin. Become servants to God. You have your fruit unto holiness. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present, you present, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's not unreasonable. It's reasonable. It's a reasonable thing living for God. Having, therefore, these promises, we have promises. And because there are promises attached to holiness. And there's promises attached to living for God. Because we have promises, then it's worth cleansing ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and our spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord or the respect of the Lord. It continues that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. He's saying, I don't want you to just have a form of godliness. That's like the Pharisees that had a form of godliness but denied the power thereof. But God's saying, I want you to, to look the part but not just fulfill the part. I want you to be. And if you'll be, then I'll give you power. If you'll be, then I'll sit with you. I'll sup with you. I'll eat with you. I'll live with you. I'll dine with you. I'll be with you. There's promises attached. I told that story about Sister Chanel the other day. Sorry. She was standing... Sister Chenault was a pastor's wife. They lived down in Oklahoma. They were not very well off. They were, by all accounts, poor. Uh, pastored in a little rural town. But she and her husband both had a mighty prayer life. I mean, mighty prayer life. There were times where she would call preachers. And she called one of them and she said, Greg, get up put some pants on sleeping in a hotel she said God wants to show you some things God wants to talk with you and he said at that moment I realized she can see me and that's just the kind I mean and she spoke to him what God had shown her and she wasn't weird she wasn't twisted but she was standing at her kitchen sink one day and she was washing dishes and her husband was at work. She said, God, I think I told this story a couple of weeks ago, but 
If not, then some of you aren't here. So you're going to hear you. She said, God, I'm lonely. I want somebody to talk to. Would you please send somebody by to talk to me? About that time, she heard the screen door slam. It's one of the good old screen doors. Springs. Smack. She never turned around, elders. She just thought her husband had come home from work until she heard the dining room chair moving, Bethany. She turned around. There wasn't anybody there. But the dining room chair was sliding back from the table. And she felt God's presence. Sister Lydia, she had a linoleum floor and she saw a weight go down in that chair. And the feet of that chair dig into that linoleum. And he said, well, daughter, I'm here. What would you like to talk about? I'm telling you there's promises attached to living for God. She said, I sat there for two hours just talking with my God. And day after day after day, she heard the screen doors. Don't you tell me that God doesn't care about your feelings. Holiness and consecration leads us further into his presence. It allows us to go deeper in him. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. That he, Christ, might present it to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that it should be holy and without blemish but as he which hath called you is holy so be ye holy in all manner of conversation or on all manner of behavior because it's written be ye holy for I am holy follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord holiness is a requirement to make it to heaven it really starts all the way back at repentance where I make up my mind I'm going to make a, a change in direction I'm not going to live according to that old man anymore so these, these scriptures and there are plenty of others that, that show us the principle of personal holiness and it, it tells us hey this is important this is vital to our salvation it is essential it's a necessary part of our Christian life in fact, holiness is the only lifestyle of someone who wants to be obedient to the Word of God. It's, it's all throughout the Word of God where he calls people out. He called Abram out of Ur of the Chaldees. Called him away from the culture of that time. Called him to a relationship with himself. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. God wants us to be a holy people. Why? Because the Bible says that no flesh can glory in his presence. So, if we're being carnal, we're going to have a very hard time praying. If we're living unholy, we're going to have a hard time getting into the presence of God, feeling his presence. So 
I've had people ask me before, well, Pastor, I just feel like I pray and I can't feel anything. I I can't hear from God. Then the first question I'm going to ask is, is there sin in your life? Because sin separates us from God. And God wants to draw us close. He does not want us to be separate from himself. So how? How do we become holy? Well, holiness and righteousness are closely related concepts in Scripture. The word righteousness is often used to indicate justification, which means being made right. So let me just pause here and tell you that there's nothing that you and I can ever do to become right on our own. We cannot purchase our own righteousness. We cannot purchase our own holiness. Uh, We cannot make ourselves blameless, innocent, or just before God. The word holiness is often used to indicate proper behavior, virtuous actions, and a godly lifestyle. So how do we get there? How do we become holy? If I can't do it on my own, then, then how do I partake? Uh, well, quite simply, righteousness and holiness are, this is not a, a real long word, but it is kind of a, a big word, imputed. I-M-P-U-T-E-D. It means bestowed or granted. They are granted or bestowed upon us or to us by Jesus Christ. When we become children of God, His holiness is accredited to us. When the blood of Jesus Christ is applied to our life in our new birth experience, when we partake of His death, His burial, His resurrection through repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, He wipes our slate clean, and in that moment, He makes us righteous. That's why we feel different. That's why it feels so good, and it feels like the weight has lifted off of us, because it's the weight of sin and guilt and shame and unrighteousness that are lifted off of us. Because of what He did at Calvary, His death purchased righteousness for us that means that holiness is transferred it's transferred to us as his free gift of grace it's applied to us through our obedient faith in his word Romans 5 17 through 19 for if by one man's offense so when Adam sinned we all became sinners there was there's no way around it Unfortunately, every baby that's born is born a sinner. When we were born, we were born sinners, raised sinners. Even if we were raised in church, that's a bad one. By one man's offense, death reigned. By one, just by one much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life. Righteousness will reign in life by one and it's a gift because of the grace of God. Because of what Jesus Christ has done. 
Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Everybody was damned by sin. Condemned to death. That's the punishment. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. You and I have the ability to be made righteous because of what Jesus Christ did. For he hath made him to be sin for us. Even though he didn't do or commit or know any sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Holiness is possible because of what Jesus did. Because when we repent, are baptized in his name, when we are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, we're washed by his blood, our sins have been cleansed, cleansed, the debt has been paid that we could never pay on our own. And then through his grace, we're made righteous, we're made holy, because we have become partakers of the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So. This, this gift of righteousness awakens us to a new way of life, a new behavior, a new lifestyle. Which is why when, when people are filled with the Holy Ghost and are baptized in Jesus' name, uh, they don't need you and I standing at the back door with a checklist. Saying, hey, before you come back, get this, 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 and this in order or you're not welcome in the door. That's, that's silly, that's stupid, that's foolishness. But all of a sudden, how many times and, and how many of us went home and then walked in the door and were like, man, there's some things that got to change. Nobody told them. Nobody told us that they had to change. We just knew they had to change. I don't know why. I don't know. Ben's over here smiling. I think he's, he's, he might have experienced some of that this week. I didn't think there was anything wrong with that before, but I've been awakened to a new life. Something inside of me has changed. And, and folks, that's, this is really where it all starts. This is where holiness starts. It's the awakening to a new way. The awakening to a new life things are different things can be different there are blessings that are attached and it's not because somebody's making me do it Man, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight it's just I just I just man I just I want to be so close to him I want to be everything that he wants me to be I want my family to experience it wake to righteousness it means wake yourself up arouse yourself shake the sleepiness out your eyes sin not for some have not the knowledge of God I speak this to your shame Romans 1 17 through 18 for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith which is why you don't have to try to have all the answers your first day of living for God but I truly believe if somebody's heart is seeking after God then God's gonna lead them from faith to faith 
six months down the road, they're going to look in the mirror, they're going to look back on their life, and they're going to be like, man, I don't even think I'm the same person. And then a year down the road, like, whoa, who is this guy? And they're going to show up to work. They're going to show up to Thanksgiving. They're going to show up to Christmas. Their family's going to be like, they drove the same car. They got the same kids. They came from the same house. But they came different. Something is different. Something has changed. Something has shifted. Because I've been awakened. I'm walking different. But they're walking on the same feet. They're wearing the same shoes, but they're walking different. They're driving different. They're talking different. I get around them. They just feel different, Junior. They just man, give me some love. They just feel different, Lana. I don't know what's going on. Something's changed. Something has changed. Revealed from faith to faith, for the righteousness of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So, we can have the truth and yet be unrighteous at the same time. And that's not pleasing to God. But I don't think I'm preaching, and I know I'm not preaching, so I'm not, I'm not even going to spend a lot of time there tonight because I don't feel like I'm preaching to people that are trying to hold the truth of God in unrighteousness. But our hearts are seeking after him. Our hearts want to get closer to him. And, and we want to become the men and women that he's calling us to be. And so I said all of that to say, you don't have to try to, to be perfect day one of living for God. But all you have to do is open your mind and open your spirit. And as you pray and God begins dealing with you about things, then listen. Then listen. got questions, ask them. Now, if after a few years, you're still stumbling over the same thing, then I'm going to point you back to Romans chapter 1, verse 17 and 18, and I'm going to ask, okay, what seems to be the holdup here? It's Romans chapter 6 and verse 12 through 19 says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. Just don't do unrighteous things. You do have control over that. Yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead. How might, if we walk through the cemetery, Don't let this get weird on us, okay? I just wonder how, how people would live their life if they had a chance to do it over. So, I saw a t-shirt one time that said, Live your life so the preacher doesn't have to lie at your funeral. Um, you and I are alive, okay? So don't live with regrets and living for God. Just jump in with both feet. 
for sin shall not have dominion over you. Yield your members as instruments of righteousness unto God, for sin shall not have dominion over you. For you're not under the law, but you're under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law? Sometimes when my kids mouth off, I say, hey, we're living in the Old Testament. You're being a rebellious child. I can break your neck. Thank God we're living under grace, Dad. Kids, how would you act? We kicked it back to the Old Testament. If they were mouthing off, they could drag them outside the city and stone them. Yeah, that would straighten up the neighborhood real quick. Takes getting stoned to a whole nother level. And we took longer than it should have. But being made free from sin, you become the servants of righteousness. As you've yielded your members, servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now. Yield your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness. Whereas before, one sin would lead you to another sin. Now, you're on the other side of the coin. And I'm coming to church, but I'm not just going to come to church. You know what? I'm going to lift my hands tonight. And then I'm going I'm to clap my hands tonight. And you know what? I'm going to live for God tomorrow too. And I'm going to live for God on Monday. I'm going to live for God on Tuesday. And I'm going to live for God on Wednesday. And, uh, and Wednesday night when I come to church, uh, I, I might just try running the aisles tonight. And I, I, I'm just going to take it another step further and another step further. The point is, let God lead you. And don't be afraid to get lost in His presence and lost in His Spirit because I promise you there's nothing there's nothing that you could yield to God nothing you could give to God that he will ignore he is a rewarder the Bible says of those who diligently seek him that's what holiness is really all about I want to seek him so after the gift of righteousness is conferred, given to us, transferred to us by the grace of Jesus, we've got to follow a lifestyle of righteousness, a lifestyle of holy behavior. I want to make the most out of my walk with God. I want to make the most out of my walk with God. So what's, what's my role? Let's just take a moment. There's some scriptural terminology that talks about our role in righteousness and holiness it says things like yield your members present your bodies cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness well you said that there's nothing that we could do pastor um, that was referring to the initial making you clean holy pure and righteous but then you have a responsibility to act like you've been saved to act like you've been redeemed to act like god died for you and rose again for you to act like you're filled with his spirit put on the new man be ye holy in all manner of conversation follow holy follow peace Flee lusts and follow righteousness. There are things that I'm going to run from and there are things I'm going to run after. I'm going to run from the things of the world and I'm going to run after the things of God. 
deny ungodliness, deny worldly lust, live soberly, righteously, godly. He that doeth righteousness, you can doeth righteousness. You can do it. You can do righteous things. He that doeth righteousness is born of God. So when I've been born of God, I have the opportunity to continue in that righteousness. Uh, he that doeth righteousness is righteous. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation or in all holy behavior and godliness? So we can't make ourselves clean. Only God can do that. But we can make ourselves dirty. We can make ourselves dirty. We can't make ourselves righteous, but we can make ourselves unrighteous. We can't make ourselves holy, but we can make ourselves unholy. And so once we've been made clean, once we've been made righteous, once we've been made holy, we have a responsibility to keep ourselves clean and holy and righteous. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself. The language is used, keep himself unspotted from the world, undefiled before God. Don't be partaker of other men's sins. Keep yourself pure. Don't feel down on yourself. Don't feel like you're being a bad person if around the, the lunch table they start telling dirty jokes and you just get up and walk away. I'm not going to partake in other men's sins or other women's sins. I don't want to hear about their gossip. I don't want to hear about their parties. I don't want to hear about this. I don't want to I don't hear about that mess. I don't. I don't want to hear about what happened at the bar. I don't want to hear about what happened at that party. I don't want to hear about your wild escapades. So, you got to be wise. But don't want to hear about what happened at church on Sunday? Oh, don't be partaker in other men's sins. Keep yourself pure. So, because we've been washed in the blood of Jesus, I want to keep myself from the mire, the muck, and the mess of the world. Holiness begins with God transferring his righteousness and holiness to us and then our holiness is perfected or further fulfilled when we live a godly lifestyle and so having therefore these promises dearly beloved let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God so the parts that are underlined there perfecting holiness that is action it's verbs. It takes us back to English class. It's verbs. I know we don't like talking about English parts and so on and so forth, but there are actions involved in living for God. I can cleanse myself. It means I die daily. I'm repenting daily. I'm dying to myself daily. I'm dying to my carnality daily. I'm, not, I'm making up my mind every day I get up. Hey, I'm not living for myself today. I'm living for God. And then I'm taking action to be holy. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us 
God is teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So the question to ask ourselves is, what am I allowing grace to teach me? What am I allowing living for God to teach me? When's the last time I, I sat in his presence and, and asked God to teach me how to be holy? When's the last time I looked at my life and said, okay, God, are there things in my life that are not pleasing to you? Let me tell you, if, if you get brave enough to have those questions asked to God, ask God those questions, rather, God's not going to rear back and backhand you. I tried telling you. No. God's going to say, yeah, maybe. Maybe God's going to say, yeah, there, there are things that aren't, aren't pleasing. Let's, let's grow beyond this. Let's grow beyond this. So there are, there are two dimensions to holiness. Two dimensions to holiness. Inward holiness or inward purity and outward purity. So we do not have enough time to go through both dimensions tonight. So just chill and I know even our, our kids don't have to go to school tomorrow so we could stay here teaching until midnight. But poor Chase, he would struggle. He would fall asleep on me. And I don't want him to do that. I'm just kidding. He wouldn't. But there's inward holiness and there's outward holiness. And so we could ask ourselves, where does holiness start? Where does holiness start? Now, well, I won't, I won't ask you. But ask yourself, where does holiness start? What did Jesus say about holiness? Matthew 23 and verse 25, he said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Ooh. Scribes were, were known as lawyers uh, in, in the New Testament. They were people that were skilled in the law. They had spent time studying the law uh, when they had been occupied by the Babylonians and the Assyrians. They were not able to worship God the way that they would have traditionally worshipped God in their own land. They began studying the law. And that was their form of worship. And so they became scribes. And then the Pharisees happened along after that. And Jesus here calls them hypocrites. They're hypocrites, scribes and Pharisees. Well, what do you mean we're hypocrites? We've spent our whole lives studying your law. How can we be hypocrites? How can the Pharisees be hypocrites? They've, they've got it all together on the outside. He said, for you make, the, make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within you're full of extortion and excess. You blind Pharisee cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter. Now some people just stop there. And they say, all that matters is my heart's right. All that matters, Jesus knows my heart. That the outside of them may be clean also. 
So where does holiness start? Let me tell you where it doesn't start. People don't come out of the waters of baptism in a, a fresh change of clothes with the worldly fashion and, and, and so on and so forth gone and that's that's not where it starts um, where it starts is it starts in the inward parts the inside of the vessel so Jesus was condemning the Pharisees but he was not condemning their outward holiness he was condemning their lack of inward holiness so let me just break it down to you this way we could have everything together on the outside and have a nasty rotten attitude and you are not holy if people can't stand to be around you but you look the part on the outside you're probably not holy some have believed that and believe so wrongfully that since Jesus condemned the Pharisees for their lack of inward holiness then then that means that God only requires inward holiness but that couldn't be further from the truth because Jesus said cleanse first that means there's something else coming cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter and that the outside of them may be clean also and so the scripture reveals to us four possibilities. The outside can be dirty and the inside can be dirty. You just imagine a cup. The outside's dirty and the inside's dirty. And then it goes on and says that the outside could be dirty and the inside could be clean. And then the outside could be clean and the inside could be dirty. Or, this is our goal, the outside and the inside could be clean. I'm not going to give you examples of what type of uh, bacteria and dirt would be in a cup that you would find acceptable to drink from. Any of us that have kids who have ever had sippy cups know that the outside can look clean and the inside can be absolutely rancid. Just, it would go to the dollar store. Just throw it. It's not even worth it. Just throw it away. Right, Ben? We're not going to scrape that out. No. We're not taking it to the car wash. Just throw it away. Throw it away. And so, the ideal situation is that the inside and the outside is clean. But true holiness on the inside that's why the emphasis of this body of believers of this pastor is hey we're going to lead you to repentance we're going to give you a bible study and we're going to explain why repentance is necessary we're going to explain why baptism in Jesus name is necessary essential we're going to explain why you've got to have the Holy Ghost. If you want to make it, you've got to be filled with the Spirit of God. But we're not going to leave you there. That's where we're going to start. And then we're going to walk with you. And we're going to encourage you. And we're not going to expect you to be perfect. But what we are going to expect 
is that as we walk together, there's going to be growth. Some may grow faster than others, and that's okay. Some may grow slower than others. But the fact is, we want to be moving in a positive direction. We want to be moving in a positive direction. But holiness starts inward, and then it works outward. Jesus tells us that both the inside and the outside have to be clean and pure. One without the other is not going to cut it. And holiness involves both the spirit and the flesh. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Perfecting holiness in the fear or the respect of God. I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So holiness involves the entire person, not just inward purity, not just outward purity. True holiness requires both. And so inward holiness, the words, spirit and soul, I'm sorry, the words spirit and soul are, are not always used synonymously in the Bible. Uh, but they do indicate the inner man, the part of you that is not visible. Uh, the spirit and the soul make up the way we think, our will, our emotions, our heart. It's the part of us that's internal. And it's the part of us that's eternal. It's the part that's going to spend eternity somewhere. Either heaven or hell. And so, since Scripture tells us that the inner man must first be cleansed in order to be holy, we need to know how that takes place. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so we've already talked about it we're going to cover it here as we close man is powerless to cleanse himself from sin there's no good deed that you can do no action that you can take no amount of money that you can pay to purchase salvation or to buy your way back You're, there's no pious living no righteous action that you could partake of or exemplify, but Jesus Christ who washed us from our sins in his own blood. That's how we become righteous. That's how we become holy. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. So sin cannot be dealt with without the shedding of blood. That's the way it has always been from Genesis all the way through Revelation. That's the way that it is. That's the way that it was. That's the way that it will be to come. That sin required the shedding of blood. No other cleansing agent can purify the heart of man except the blood of Jesus Christ. So I can't think, I'm, I, I can never think about my holy living as something that earns me the righteousness of God but the the inner cleansing the the righteousness of God that's transferred to us is God's gift to us when we're baptized in Jesus name the blood of Jesus Christ is applied to our lives 
our hearts become purified our hearts become cleansed and so then I have a responsibility once our hearts have been cleansed by the power of the blood it becomes my responsibility to keep my heart to keep my inner man clean so Proverbs 4.23 says keep or guard guard your heart with all diligence it's going to take effort because the enemy of our soul is very wily slippery slimy full of tricks so I got to keep it with diligence so I need to learn to wash myself in the word the Bible says John 15 3 now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you that's why we will never be able to overemphasize that means we could never tell you how important or we could never talk about it too much you've got to read your Bible every day you have got to get into the Word of God every single day of your life reading the Word of God is part of maintaining a holy lifestyle because the Word of God helps lead me it helps guide me it helps make sure that I don't fall off the edge it helps make sure that I know and can recognize sinful behavior as, as I'm tempted and, and just just understand that just because you've been baptized in Jesus name and filled with the Holy Ghost and are, are trying your best that doesn't mean you're never going to be tempted again because you will but being tempted is not a sin I'm gonna say that again being tempted is not a sin there are some things that the way the world presents them they are fun but they're still sin and iniquity will lead me to iniquity and that iniquity will lead me to another iniquity well that's just a, the the fallacy of the slippery slope oh philosopher let's talk it's the Word of God it is the Word of God it tells us that you can't just dabble and expect to be okay but iniquity leads to iniquity and the best way to keep yourself clean is to just stay away from it let me just tell you you're not just because you're wearing a suit and tie when you go to feed the hogs the hogs don't care if you're wearing a suit and tie you're not gonna make it into the hog lot and dump that feed into the feeder and come out spotless just because you're wearing a suit and tie or just because you're wearing a nice dress and pretty shoes and you got your hair did nice the world doesn't care they said you know just come on in the hog lot but you're gonna leave smelling saying you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit the Word of God has the ability to continually wash us to keep us clean Ephesians 5 25 let's stand Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word the washing of water by 
the word. So by continually reading, by continually hearing and obeying the word of God, our inner man, your inner woman is cleansed. It's protected from sin. It's protected from unrighteousness. The psalmist wrote, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. So where does holiness start? Holiness starts in the inner man. I want my thoughts to be right. I want my actions to be right. So I was so powerful when Brother Nunez was preaching on Sunday morning about our minds. If the devil can get our minds distracted off the Word of God, then he's got us off the track of holiness right away. I want to be holy. I want to be in a position where God can use me, where God can bless me, where God can work through me. And let me just tell you, you get the inner man right, the outward will come. And we're going to talk about the outward man. We're going to talk about the outward man next week and why we believe and why we do what we do and, and our standards of living and, and things of that nature. But, but let me just tell you, you get the inner man right, and there's nothing that God could ask of you that would be too much because you get a, a, a greater understanding of how great he is how much he loves us how much he has done for us let's lift our hands right now God we love you and we thank you for all that you have done